welcome to the sixth episode of Arts Leaders Podcast. This episode is an interview with the Executive Director of the Arab Fund for Arts and Culture, Usama Rufahi, who I spoke with at the World Summit on Arts and Culture in Malta. Based in Beirut, the Arab Fund for Arts and Culture was established in 2007 as an independent initiative to fund a wide range of arts and cultural projects and organizations and to facilitate cultural exchange, research and cooperation both in the Arab world and internationally. To date, the organization has supported 800 projects in 18 Arab countries and under the leadership of Osama Rifahi continues to work towards its vision of an arts and culture scene that is thriving, confident, open and accessible. Having previously worked as an engineer flight instructor and in both the oil and renewable energy business, Osama Rifahi's work in the art sector include as managing director for museum development in New York with global cultural asset management and as director of special projects for the Guggenheim Foundation. He has also served as cultural consultant for a wide range of organizations in Europe, the Middle East and Central Asia and was appointed executive director of the Arab Fund for Arts and Culture in 2010. So here it is, episode number six of Arts Leaders Podcast with Osama Rifai. A session yesterday and you spoke very strongly about how cultural organizations are not on, at a crossroads at all, that you don't really have choices and that you're on a road to hell. So I think the, those <laughs> words struck a chord with many, many people who are here listening to it. Can you elaborate just slightly on, on your perspective? Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, th- this is uh, this is a time and a place where uh, you have so many people flying in from so many different places. So it's a unique opportunity of uh, those uh, individuals representing important institutions active in the field of arts and culture that get together and then discuss the important topics. And uh, you know, I feel that there is a bit an element of fatigue where you know we we end up in, in this kind of sector of arts and culture uh, to go around in circles kind of rehashing the same principles and so on and sometimes you come in at two years interval and then you say well this all deja vu and deja heard and, and things like that and when you factor in um, the, the fact that uh, at the moment there are uh, places uh, you know uh, in different many regions where things are going pretty badly and, and I'm coming from from the Arab region, you know, where uh, we have uh, several parallel conflicts and um, big issues with uh, with social and political uh, context. Then you say, well, I mean, if art is to change the world, and then and then we have gone to where we are at the moment. There, somehow we have failed. So our, you know, it was meant uh, not only a bit provocatively, just to kind of to to shake us a bit from our. Uh, lethargy or our state of paralysis, but but also it, it's a, it's a feeling that we we, we share a lot in, in our part of the world and actually elsewhere, um, you know. And in particular, uh, you know, I was uh, you know referring to to what's happening in Syria at the moment, which is as we speak is is living hell. That's that was not uh, a parallel. That was a real real term, and and, uh, and we're saying we're here in, in Malta. I mean. Uh, where we're talking about uh, process and we're talking about uh, project, projection of what we do and we're talking about financing and uh, you know when we take the, the role of arts in situations of conflict which is meant to provoke, to, to create reaction, to rally people, to, to put pressure on decision makers and on, on stopping uh, uh, things like the horrible thing that we are seeing there then we say you know I came to the, you know, to the conclusion that something we're doing is not sufficient or so on. 
And do you see a very difference in the discourse that it's talked about, it's discussed in the in the, the Middle Eastern regions and the West? Obviously, you, you travel a lot between them, but do you see a, a large difference in the discourse? Well, I don't think, um, I mean, of course, there is a bit of granularity in, in the context between the Arab region and, and globe, but we, we're all living now a global context. Mm -hmm. and, and, and news and opinions and statements, they travel at the speed of light over social media, over the Internet. Um, so I, I, I would think more that we are more on kind of a common level grounds. Uh, and... Uh, even if we are here living in, in peace and then over there there is war ongoing there but you know it's all very close to us mm. another thing you mentioned in, in your talk was that we need to curb the rise of intolerance do you think arts and culture have the power to make those changes or does it need to be accompanied by other things well absolutely i mean who else would would curb extremism there I mean, we, we discussed two weeks ago, we were, well, actually last week, we, we, were, we were participating, we were giving, we organized a forum that was given at Allianz Forum in Berlin. And we had uh, different people. We had uh, poets, we have writers, we had political sociologists, we had economists uh, talk about that, uh, that phenomenon of wing uh, parties and, and, and kind of this... Uh, Philosophy of uh, using fear to, to you know to, to spread a bit kind of resentments against uh, refugees and migrants, and one of the conclusion, the interesting uh, statements that were done is that, of course, we can talk about economic factors, we can talk about uh, rational things, but at the end of the day, it's it's a it's a, it's a problem of culture, it's a problem of perceiving. Uh, somebody on the other side of the table like we call the other guy and then if we don't talk to the guy if we don't understand about his culture if we don't share some of the feelings we don't engage in a, in a dialogue then it would be very easy to succumb to fear and this is actually one of the main leverages that is being used by those parties. Mm. Religion also obviously comes into play when we're talking about the difference between the West and, uh, and the Middle East, and it's quite a considerable factor. Is that inextricably linked as the culture of a, of a region or a country? No, I mean, this, this, uh, this idea is outdated, you know, the clash of civilization that you know, everybody talked about you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago. I don't think we are there, we're beyond that. Of course, religion is just another pretext of this otherness of the person that you're sitting across the table from. Um, it's, it's about the language, it's about the religion, it could be also about the social culture and so on. And the moment you bring people together uh, to share things, to argue things in a, in a, in a safe uh, space, then those barriers fall down and then we, we discover that actually we're the same. I mean, if we talk specifically about the current issue of migration in Europe, the so-called refugee crisis, then, you know, you just have to dig a bit, uh, uh, you know, and then you discover that actually we were all actually refugees coming from somewhere else. If we are not refugees, maybe our uh, the, 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 the previous generation was and so on. And, and the interesting thing is that we, we're, we're supporting now one of the one of the projects we're supporting in Europe. We're, we're launching a special program in, in Europe between the Arab uh, and European regions is um, is a book that we call uh, Europa, an illustrated uh, introduction to Europe for migrants and refugees. 
And uh, this was initially, uh, it was done with the purpose, the idea of supporting those new arrival, uh, people just arriving in Europe to understand a bit the context and help them. To, to integrate into the new... Yeah, integration is kind of a, a complicated word, but let's say to integrate into Europe and so on. But we, from uh, people who've been reading that book and, and talking about it, and now we're preparing to actually distribute it in, in, in several hundred centers in, in, in Europe, in 10 countries in Europe, we discover that actually it's even beneficial for the host countries to actually read those articles, read those testimonials, mm -hmm. uh, realize a bit how they put themselves into the shoes of uh, the people from the other, the other side. There's been a lot of talk as well throughout the Art Summit of a lot of the ideas going from Global North to Global South um, and diversity obviously in, in the northern regions is, is quite a hot topic at the moment that we're not having gender diversity, we're not having ethnic diversities. What is the situation in the Middle East regarding diversity in, in the cultural sector? Um, I would think it just kind of a bit replicates a bit kind of the global situation mm -hmm. there. I mean, we have uh, good balance. I mean, I can tell you, for example, that uh, we, we support, we've supported almost a thousand uh, projects since uh, in 10 years of our work. And the proportion is about 60% male, 40% female, roughly. So it's kind of almost on par between on, if you look at gender-based. I mean, of course, there are several minorities across the Arab world that are part of uh, the grantees' pools of, of, of AFAQ. Um, so I would say it just replicates kind of global global conditions. Tell me a little bit more about the Arab Fund for Culture, of which you you became director in, in 2010. What what kind of projects do you support? What are your, your goals? It's uh, an independent uh, foundation that was created uh, 10 years ago uh, by a group of uh, cultural activists, you know, from different various parts of the, the Arab region there, and. Uh, what we do is we basically we grant making institution that is uh, people, uh, artists, individuals, as well as small cultural institutions uh, apply to us. We go through a very rigorous but transparent system of uh, jurors looking over the application and selecting uh, the best ones based on very clear criteria of quality, uh, relevance, uh, trans you know, and, and budget feasibilities and innovation. So we use those four factors four parameters in, in selecting uh, those grants and then we give about 150, pro, 150 grants every year for, for these people there and we support all sorts of uh, cultural uh, genres which is from ranging from literature to music uh, to uh, cinema to performing arts visual arts etc uh, we also come up every year with uh, special programs that re respond to a specific need so in 2009 we, we launched a documentary film program. We are organizing now novel writing programs. We have a documentary photography programs, etc., um, etc. Et How many um, international projects do you fund as well? Either something that's born at home and is toured abroad or international collaborative projects? And is that one of your priorities? We, well, we, we're not based on any geographical quota. So we receive applications from Arabs in the Arab countries as well as living in the diaspora. Uh, roughly about 20% of the grants that we give are for people based in outside of the Arab world. Uh, and now this is going to increase a bit because we have you know, uh, lots of migration, let's say, outside of the, the Arab world because of the very difficult conditions that we are living in so many different places. Syria, Iraq, Yemen, uh, Egypt, etc., Libya. 
And as you said before, we're all global citizens. So the idea of geographical funding is, is that being broken down and being challenged? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, we're, we, we, the idea of geography is not out of uh, an ethnicity point of view. It just you know that was the mandate of our fund uh, because we represent a region of 300 million people that have almost no access to public funding for the arts. So 300 million is is like North America, if you like, and uh, there are only a handful number of institutions that are active uh, in this area there, and Afak is one of the major ones working there. So we had to kind of concentrate on the segment. That was our idea is to, to, to limit it there. And it's not because of the ethnicity, but more because of the, like the, a gap in funding that, these, that this constituency requires. Tell me a little bit more about your, your background, because you, always, you haven't always been, been based in, this, um, in the Arab Fund for Culture. You also spent time in New York. You did studies in Europe. How has that experience kind of influenced you, and what did you learn from, from those? Well, I'm actually I'm an engineer. Uh, I worked in aerospace. I'm, I used to be a flight instructor. I worked the oil, in the oil business, okay. and renewable energies. But anyway, I, uh, I how did that curve then? I, I was working in Abu Dhabi in, um, for like an investment uh, company, and then um, ended up supporting a bit the uh, the strategy, the formulation of the uh, tourism plans for Abu Dhabi. And then when it turned a bit into a cultural program, then I was involved into a bit into that. So you kind of got into culture through tourism and yeah, that was the that was uh, that was how I got into it. But you know, we uh, culture is kind of something that has been always interested me. And uh, one the one of the things that is really important, I think, to the art and cultural sector is to have to accept a bit more kind of dialogue with other areas. And I think it, it brings a lot for people to to go cross uh, cross functional cross expertise because they bring with them a bit kind of maybe, I mean, from my side, maybe a bit the systems thinking, how to organize things. And that, uh, that helps a lot also in, a, in the creativity, creativity world where, uh, you know, where you ask uh, creative people to run also as managers, as fundraisers, as communicators and so on, which is they have large difficulty to do that. Um, so it is, I think, always a good thing to, to come from a different, different background and, and work in the, so that, that's very useful. And especially one piece of advice, I think one of your closing comments was to suggesting people that they live for a year in a different country. Do you think that gives a valuable perspective of, of different cultures? And yeah, I mean, uh, the idea is not mine. It has been kind of uh, being talked about in many places. Actually, I know there are specific programs that deal with those kind of things. But but imagine if we were to have to ask people to really get out of their bubbles out of their uh, assumptions, out of their convictions, and take the effort to go somewhere else and get immersed into it and discover what the others look like. Imagine the wealth that they can bring with them when they come back home. I think it will solve so many things. Mm-hmm. It's nice to be in, to deal in, dwell in utopia every once in a while. So that, that was one, one uh, uh, venture into that. Uh-huh. Tell me a little bit more about your work in New York with the, the, as the managing director for museum development. How did that come about? Um, I worked for for a few years, a couple of years, with the Guggenheim Foundation uh, in New York. Uh, basically, uh, at the time, there was I mean, you you might you might know of the Bilbao, the Guggenheim in Bilbao, mm-hmm. and then uh, the, the the impact it had on the local economy of the Basque Country. So people used to call that uh, the Bilbao effect. 
And while I was the Guggenheim uh, working in the project department there, we were approached by many cities and countries that wanted to replicate this effect, mm -hmm. basically asking us to kind of to have like a Guggenheim museum in their own respective cities or countries there. And we used to run uh, kind of very sort of a standardized uh, study where we think of a concept for the museum. We talk, we bring in like an arch architects and a kind of like a known architect that would uh, work with that. And we run also what we call an e economic impact model. To, to see a bit what uh, how that would impact kind of the economy of the city for example how what's what's the return on investment for it if it were to invest into such a thing and how did then did you come to, to become the involved in the art fund for culture oh I mean it was a friend of mine who was involved who was the chairman of the Arab fund for us and culture who invited me to take a look at the institution there and I I thought it's also refreshing to, to go back to the region and do something that is useful. Uh, so I took a trip there in, in July or August 2010 and I said that's I think it's important to kind of take this uh, institution from what it is and try to grow it, uh, give it some sustainable funding, uh, give it more international exposure so that we actually we can take our, the narratives that are coming out from the Arab world and then talk about them elsewhere, try to influence decision makers, tell them about what's happening, uh, change a bit the conception of, of where we're at. And there are so many amazing stories that are being told, uh, so many projects, so many creativity that is coming out, even as, uh, as the conditions, the social and political conditions get worse and we have this creativity is kind of uh, something that we are very proud of. Is it something that, as a global, a global kind of citizen, should be we be focusing more on the power of culture? And with with political, there's obviously cultural diplomacy and cultural relations. Is that a powerful tool to use? And are we obliged to use it? Um, you know, I mean, this is uh, to to instrumentalize art is is kind of a kind of a dangerous path. Mm -hmm that unfortunately has been used a lot it's used in propaganda it's used for for uh, you know for uh, for by governments uh, it's used to suppress actually creativity and so on um, using but, culture to suppress the creativity of other nations you mean uh, yeah or, or even of, the, of your own mm -hmm. own people uh, in many cases there and you know we have a region that speaks for itself on that um, you know, art could be, uh, th there are so many ways to, to think about art. It's sometimes it's just like a spontaneous expression that is like a freedom of expressing yourself, which by itself is something that is so crucial, so important to us as humans to do there. Uh, some people take that expressions to try to, uh, to speak about specific cause or, uh, or something that they feel strongly about. And, and for that, they are militant about it, They uh, so on. And when we talk about our context today, how can art not be political? Mm -hmm. It's something we, we spoke about yesterday. Um, so certainly something that is, that is important uh, you know, when you look at art. And then, of course, you have all of those topics that uh, is dear to governments, especially Western governments, about uh, creative economy and measuring the outcome of art and using this to convey the importance of it and try to convince their constituencies and to, to, to raise more funds to you know to make sure that it is important there I mean you have all of these things running in parallel mm -hmm. if you like and where do you see the future of the organization going what, what is its main purpose going forward 
Well, I mean, we would like to, to, to increase our capacity so that we are able to respond to the needs of even more artists and cultural institutions in the world. We would like to have even more visibility so that those narratives get to be shared on even more broader uh, level there so that we hopefully influence, you know, this uh, negative vision of the region there or even you know of what we have so of course our ambitions are, are very high mm -hmm. and you know we'll see how where this takes us where reality takes us thank you very much Osama, for speaking with me today most welcome thank you